Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another banging episode of the Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere. I'm coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. As usual, my co-host, partner in crime and sister, Maggie Omotesi in Dakar, Senegal. Maggie, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. How is Johannesburg? A lot of Zuma news, darkness. You know, there's always something coming out of that place. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, South Africa is like that these days. If it's not mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of darkness from uh, Lord Shedding, it's uh, President embroiled in some allegations of corruption and money laundering. Ah, yeah. But anyway, a lot goes on in politics. You know, speaking of politics, the government of Zimbabwe, I think last month at the end of June or beginning of July, they received a new parliamentary building at the cost of about, some sources say 140 million US dollars, some say 200 million dollars. Anyway, I guess the cost is in between those numbers. But this was a loan or a donation, if you want to call it, from the Chinese government. And that got me thinking about a lot of things Uh with regards to Chinese involvement in Africa. Many other buildings in many other countries have been financed this way. I always wonder like, okay, is China that really good a friend or is there a catch here, you know? And I just thought, you know, maybe we should touch on this on our podcast this week. What are your thoughts? It reminds me of that story of uh, China putting up the infrastructure for the African Union headquarters in uh, Addis. I don't know if you remember the story that they had put some, um, can I call it spy software as they constructed the building so they knew uh, what uh, was happening. But until now, the story was never confirmed that it was true. So there were allegations that the Chinese government denied and obviously the AU denied. But to be honest to me, I don't know how I'm going to sound. <laughs> but I guess one of those episodes that we agree to disagree. I mean, China coming up to donate, uh, I read that they're replacing actually a, a colonial building that has been in Zimbabwe. So it's like, you know, demolish the old one and put uh, a new one. I, I don't know if we should at, at this time be receiving donations of really buildings, especially like parliament. Unfortunately, some governments uh, have failed to even put up the simple infrastructure, the parliament for your own country. Yeah. Uh, but again, China's strategy in Africa, is it the best? Not really. Is yeah. the West strategy in Africa the best? History really. says no. <laughs> so why then um, go on one side and it's all about China and China? We might as well just do that with the French, with the British, with everybody else that actually is coming to the country. Is their strategy really the the best? Does it work for the African people? No. We can only put a structure and we can only really help save ourselves. So this is how I always think about it. But for me as a continent, I think, uh, you know, also having China in the past years really come into play has probably given us a little bit of power to be able to negotiate. Like, it's like, you know, having one partner it limits you. If you have three partners, you know how to negotiate or who to consider, really. Do we really get the best deals, the best contracts? Are we really able to take advantage of the fact that we have different players that are interested in helping in terms of infrastructure, partnerships, or even trade and investments? 
That's yeah. the big question. It comes back to our leaders, our governments, our politics. Like, are we really able to look through and see who is better, who can help? Yeah. What are they bringing and what are we giving back? Because nothing comes free. Maybe it's money they're going to pay later or it's a donation that, you know, we give you a building, you give us something else. So it's always that that kind of trade. Like, are we equally trading with each other or even in terms of partnerships? Is it equal partnerships? Yeah. For me, I guess the contention really revolves around the question of whether China's interest in Africa is truly a win-win diplomacy, as China often puts it, or whether China is simply pursuing its self-interest, you know, as aggressively as all the other past powers have done in the past, right? It's no doubt that the balance of power is shifting from the US and Europe, which, you know, for lack of a better word, is like the devil, you know? Uh, and the balance of power is shifting to China, who is like the devil we don't know, hence like all of these questions. So then it comes as no surprise that all of these contentions arise. China is probably like, what, the second biggest economy now in the world, uh, a new player in the game. They've got different ideologies from the West, and they have a different approach in terms of investing uh, in the developing world, right? They don't look at, oh, no, you guys don't have human rights, therefore we're not giving you money. Whereas, you know, the Bretton Woods institutions who look at that and say, hmm, we had uh, the opposition leader was jailed, therefore we're not giving you money. Like how? Mm-hmm. But you guys are talking to us as if you guys are uh, squeaky clean. <laughs> like all of the things that you are doing everywhere else in the world. Come on, guys. But for me, I guess the real issue is, yes, it's all good and proper for China to participate in the developing economies in Africa and, you know, fund the infrastructure, the ports, the buildings, uh, roads, rail networks, and so on and so forth. That's all good and proper because, you know, um, we could use a little bit of help. My real issue comes with, is there really employment that is created from these kind of projects. I remember a friend of the podcast, Henry, mentioned a point that, you know, guys, like I see some of these uh, projects coming up uh, in all of these different countries funded by the Chinese, and I see Chinese contractors there. And we've read so many stories about, you know, China flying in lots of Chinese laborers to do the work on this particular project. And then you're like, okay, so what's in it for us then? Like we're just getting a building at a time when there's so much youth unemployment in our continent. Um, Yes, sure. The youth are sometimes employed in some of these projects and going on. But then there's another question that rises of human rights abuses. The late John Magufuli is very famous for having a run-in with Chinese contractors that were allegedly abusing Tanzanian local contractors. For me, it's those questions to say, okay, yes, we are appreciating the money that you are giving us to build this thing, but shouldn't most of the Mm -hmm. job creation be from the local country? And not only that, shouldn't there be a technology transfer? I mean, Dumi, it's not the problem of the Chinese government per se. It's, it's the problem of the African governments. China, for real, it has ambitions. It wants to become a global leader. We've seen it, you know, aggressively go out uh, in terms of uh, developing the economy, industrializing it. We've seen the fight even between the U.S. and uh, China, especially when Trump was president, because he realized mm. it was act- or actually China was taking over everything in terms of manufacturing and industry, which literally runs economies, if you know, because you have to produce, people have to consume. So they need this. Now, in the case of Africa, it's not really their problem that African governments are probably not negotiating. 
they let President Magufuli had things put in place. Like at some point you have to use local workers. Yes, I know yes. some countries say you can't operate unless you have a certain percentage of local partners. And this still comes back to countries and what really incentives they're giving to investors. Some countries yeah. just have open incentives, like just come do business however you are, as long as you bring in the money. But that takes away an opportunity to transfer skills, uh, to support and grow local industries that would probably have provided the cement or, you know, even the people. You, 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 then you have everything imported, you know, everything actually brought into economies, which I see a lot in countries, especially like where I am. So is it really China's problem? No. Yeah. Is it time for Africa to rethink really what they, they would want out of these partnerships? Of course, yes. It comes back to what do you want out of this partnership? And ideally, I think the world is also realizing, and Africa is a very big player in the global context right now. We have one of the biggest population. We are consumers of everything, technology, you know, textile. We need all of this. They realize, they know this is yeah. a market that has the youngest population besides it being the biggest population. This is a market that needs infrastructure. Like there's so much to give. There's so much to do in Africa. Mm. And I feel like at some point we haven't yeah. realized our competitive advantage. So we yes. have to get them to work in our own favor, like what we want from them. We want proper infrastructure, but what are we giving back? They're training our people. They're employing our people, like you mentioned. You have unemployed youth, and then you have over mm. thousands of Chinese flown into a country to build a road. Not possible. That yeah. is not how you would have imagined a scenario to play out in 2022. You know? I'm inclined to agree. It's um, now that you raised that point. Uh, I hadn't looked at it like that. And yes, it would seem that you know, our African political leaders, for lack of a better phrase, they are failing the continent by allowing you know, certain continued plunder of assets and resources, I guess, and also not negotiating the best terms for the deals. Then again, sometimes when you're negotiating from a point of no power, then it's easy for people to dictate the terms on you because you don't have that much uh, negotiating room. It's like yes. if you have people fighting over you, yeah. you realize yeah. you have something of value. When you hear of the stories of Chinese companies exploiting minerals in Congo and, you know, you know, taking, involved in corruption scandals and building you know, big mm. refining mining companies where they add value in China. And then you're thinking about it. Yeah. And then you're, you're thinking, why wouldn't the government make them build something like that in the Congo? As a way of us giving you our mine, you have to set factory here. And these minerals yeah. actually, have, you have to add the value from Congo, like give mm. us something mm. back beyond just taking away and the money. But because there's so much corruption embedded into it, it's just money that throw in people's True. pockets. So and you read all these stories and it's like, the time is you just now don't for, know what we you know, have. us as Africans collectively to take a page from, you know, China's playbook on development and sovereignty. Uh, we, on the one hand, let's keep our homes in order and let's also make, on the other hand, let's make the best out of the competition between the great powers and regional players, whether they're from the West, Far East or Middle East. I mean, just uh, early this year, there was a Turkey-Africa summit. Uh, so that shows you that Turkey is also recognizing that, hey, there's uh, lots of good that can mm -hmm. come from a trade relationship between ourselves and this and this block. Um, so as governments now, uh, it's, it then becomes incumbent on you to, you know, do your 
due diligence when entering into these loan agreements with any of these entities from any of these countries. Uh, the feasibility of these projects, assess it properly and the best te- possible terms for the loans, negotiate them well. Uh, at the end of the day, also ensure that you know funds are used efficiently for the projects in which they are intended. Um, so yeah, you're right. I guess my takeaway from this conversation is that we can't necessarily blame China. Uh, China is, is, is already winning the hearts and minds of uh, lots of other Africans. Our leaders guess needs to negotiate better deals, better terms, see who's offering what, because there's lots of interest. Uh, who knows, very soon there'll probably be a, a UAE Africa summit or a Singapore Africa summit. Like all of these summits that are always going on, like let's go there and negotiate properly. Yes, uh, we live in hope, but uh, my hope and prayer is that the AFCFTA will go a long way in negotiating good terms for everyone. But hey, that remains to be seen. On that note, folks, we're going to have to leave it here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, broadcast slash podcast. Truly, truly appreciate. We couldn't have done any of this without you. And I hope you enjoy listening to this half as much as we enjoyed recording it for you because we had fun. From me, Dumi Jere in Johannesburg, South Africa, and Maggie Omotesi in uh, Dakar, Senegal. Here's to peace and profit. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.